Hey, Charger fans. My name is Dean Melconi, and I'll be your host for our first ever podcast of Extreme Voltage. That's right. This is Chargers football talk, in-depth analysis, all the great stuff you want to hear about the Chargers. This is your one-stop shop. Uh, a little bit about myself. Uh, back in 82, became a big fan. Yes, I'm an old guy. And I was able to write for the Chargers, for the Chargers Football Weekly. Got a little taste of journalism there. I had a chance to uh, get a little more in-depth on our favorite football team. So basically what this podcast will deliver is some great insight and hopefully get some questions going pretty soon and get some interactions going and get some guests on the show. But I want to talk Chargers football with you today. We were impatiently waiting for it and it finally came, the 2020 NFL Draft. The quarterback question was on the tips of our tongues. Absolutely. The Philip Rivers era uh, came and went, had an amazing 14 years with Philip. But it was time for for a new start, obviously, and the Chargers had to pull the trigger and get a quarterback. And some people always say, hey, what if Isaiah Simmons was there and and, uh, we should have grabbed him or let's get our left tackle the future and and have him for 10 years locked in. You know, I get that and I understand that. Uh, But just remember, a franchise quarterback or a potential franchise quarterback like a Justin Herbert is going to trump any other player that's even valued higher in that draft, like a Chase or like an Isaiah. It's going to happen. You can like it, you can hate it, but as a general manager for that franchise, if you don't get a potential franchise quarterback, then you're doing your team a disservice. Let me go back on this. Let's say they got Isaiah Simmons, right? Awesome, amazing player. Okay, got it. Got in the first round, six-pick in draft, great. Now, that kid can, can, can do his thing for the next 10 years and become an all-pro everywhere else, great. But what are you really doing? Are you Look, don't get me wrong, I'd love to have him. But what are you really doing? Are you going to hold Patrick Mahomes and those guys down maybe by one touchdown or two touchdowns in a game? Uh, hey, listen, if you can't outscore somebody, you're going to lose in the modern NFL. This isn't the 80s and 90s. You know, I grew up with those uh, defensive teams that would hold teams down at 14 or 17 points. I get that. That was some good football back in the day, black and blue football divisions, right? This is 2020, and it's a wide-open game. And the key is, if you don't have a quarterback that can play exceptionally, uh, you're not winning games. So that's the decision behind getting Justin Herbert, and that's what I want to talk about today with you folks. Look, I've watched Herbert for four years, much like a lot of you probably have seen him, or at least are getting a chance to see him now on YouTube and checking out some of the cool games from Pac-12 channel. Great. Enjoy it. Watch him. The kid has all the skill sets. I mean, he seriously has all the skill sets. Kid's 6'6", 240 pounds, and he can move. And just watching him uh, post-draft, I love his presence in the pocket. He's a big guy that can move around like a little guy. That's the best explanation. He really can move around back there like a Russell, uh, like a Russell Wilson. He can, he can, you know, do his thing with his feet. I love the fact that he can move around comfortably in the pocket. Okay, that's great. And hey, if he wants to take off, the kid has four six nine speed, as he showcased in the um, in the uh, combine, and he's gonna move. All right, just don't take a lot of hits because we know we know what happens with taking a lot of hits as a quarterback in the NFL. Uh, eventually. 
you're going to be an RG3 and you're not going to be able to play another down. So that's the issue there. Uh, make sure this kid is going to be smart with the football. Like I said, pocket movement, love it. Uh, has an absolute rocket for an arm. I mean, laser throws, which I absolutely love. And I think we all love to see that. It's the accuracy issue, right? And that's something that has hit him a little bit in regards to uh, short to mid-range accuracy. So that's something he's got to work with. Not that I saw a lot of that issue as I'm watching tape on him, but there are times he's going to miss. And that's something that we just have to work over time to get that going. But his deep ball is there. I mean, the kid can travel and get that ball to places. Like they, like they say, tight windows, he's hitting them. And I think he's going to be exceptional with that. And um, the only the knock I have, and not really a huge knock, but something that he's got to work with and kind of get over is the fact that when he gets uh, rushed heavily and now he's, he's getting you know people uh, draped all around him and he's going down, he tries to make a play. He tries to not have that sack uh, go against him or have a negative play go against him He uh, as a minus play uh, by losing yardage. He tries to do something with the ball and tries to throw that ball out of there and, and get that off for an incompletion. That's when it, he's going to get in trouble. Uh, I saw a few of those where he's getting bum rushed and he's got people all around him. And at that point, man, just take the sack. You know, take the sack or throw that ball out of bounds. Don't try to flutter it up there somewhere and have somebody make a awesome catch on a 50-50 ball down the, down the sideline or in the end zone. It just doesn't doesn't work in the NFL, all right? Doesn't work in the NFL. You don't want to be a turnover machine. And I think the more plays you get accustomed to doing like that, and, you know, sometimes it gets successful, you know, we get lucky. But the more you do that, the more your automatic reaction is going to be do that to get away from trouble, uh, the more problems you're going to run into. And now the turnover bug is going to bite. And you know how NFL games are. It only takes one or two plays and it flips. And if you got the turnover battle and you're losing that turnover battle, I should say, uh, you're probably going to lose that game. So absolutely something to work on with the staff uh, in regards to getting that mind right and, and having mental reps as they watch, or as Herbert watches my quarterback, your quarterback this year, Tyrod Taylor. That's right. Let, let's go back to it. Uh, first opening game, game, most probably, it's going to be Tyrod Taylor, right? Uh, that's what we all have heard, been hearing. Uh, that's what we kind of have visually will be seeing uh, unless it's a it's a huge camp battle that Herbert just checks off every single box and just blows everybody out of the water and goes, OK, I'm the starter. I'll uh, uh, Russell Wilson, Wilson, the first year uh, in existence from the NFL. Uh, that's going to be a Tyrod Taylor experience we're going to be watching. And look, I'm excited to see it. I think Tyrod can deliver. Uh, as you know, he's very conservative with the football. Some guys might call it boring, but the kid doesn't like to throw picks, and he makes it work. Now, this offense is going to be a whole different ball game, and we were so used to seeing Phil Rivers uh, pitch that ball everywhere down the field with that funky delivery of his. But it's going to be a different offense, and it's going to be—I'm I'm excited to see it. It's going to be uh, the RPO offense, right? Uh, the run-pass option, even the run-run option. We're going to be seeing a lot more quick hits. We're going to be seeing a lot more uh, short to medium throws. But but don't worry, they're going to they're gonna take their bites on the deep patterns as well because once you start uh, biting these defenders and, and getting this defense all muddled in the, in the short to intermediate game, 
that's when your when your boys can open it up in the back end and get some nice deep passes over there as well. So this is going to be a fun offense to watch. Uh, I'm not going to say it's a Baltimore Raven, Lamar Jackson type of offense per se, but I think you're going to be seeing a lot of that kind of um, formations and plays and so forth that you'll see a lot more quick hits. And I think that's what's going to be fun to watch with the 2020 Chargers. Uh, God willing, we'll have a season this year. So that's the plan of action for the quarterback. Uh, again, going back uh, in regards to Justin Herbert, love the pick. And obviously, if Tua was there, uh, much like Telesco said in his uh, reports uh, recently, they would have taken Tua. And that's great because both those quarterbacks would function well in this kind of offense or any kind of offense, quite honestly, if they make it work for them. So I think that will be a good situation. I think it's going to work out well for them. I'm glad they got their, their QB of the future and hope it works out. Um, Tyrod Taylor, like I said, starting quarterback. Uh, it's going to be fun watching him. I know what we've seen him in Buffalo. Uh, again, exciting quarterback, very mobile, very athletic, has a really strong arm as well. And I just want to see what he can carry. It's been a couple of years since we last saw him from Buffalo uh, to Cleveland just for a few games until he got hurt and ultimately um, was taken over by a rookie at the time. So this is going to be a, a key year for him. He's obviously in his last year of a two-year contract. And I know what he wants to do. He wants to go out there and he wants to show that he is a championship caliber quarterback. And it'll be fun to see that chip on his shoulder and, and, and see how much growth Herbert's going to have watching him as he continues on. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that all plays out. Now, before I jump into the second round, uh, this is where a lot of the Charger fans or, you know, some pundits and, and so-called experts like ourselves here uh, go out and say, you know, we needed a left tackle, and we didn't get one in the draft. Therefore, it's a it's a fail. It's a fail. How how is Tom Telesco doing this kind of draft? And and we're not grab, grabbing a left tackle. And it's 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 such a eyesore. It's such a sore thumb. It's like how could we not get a left tackle? We've got to be trading for somebody. We got to get somebody. Well, hold on one second. Um, you got players. Now I'm not saying this line is great because it was I believe the 31st ranked offensive line or 30th ranked line last year by PFF. Uh, pro football focus, but yeah, improvements have to be made, and and I think they have been made uh, a lot of ways with Trey Turner on the on the guard side, on the right guard side now with the uh, with the trade um, with Carolina. I think uh, adding Brian Blaga on the right side solidifies that whole right portion of the line, which is which is amazing. Uh, Pouncy, Mike Pouncy is going to be coming back potentially for his uh, center gig. Now, if that doesn't fall th- uh, fall through. And it doesn't work out for him. We have Dan Feeney, who can step in there and take the center reins. And we have Scott Quisenberry, our UCLA kid. And he can do a good job, which he did last year as well, based on those injuries. So I'm happy with with three-fifths of that line. Now, it's the left side that's going to be the issue, right? So let's go to left guard. Let me tell you what's going on there. Let's say Mike Pouncey is good to go and he's playing. Uh, let's say it's if it, it's not, if, if it's Quisenberry, that's fine too. Now we have Dan Feeney, right? We have Feeney on the left side. Um, we have Forrest Lamp, which we haven't seen. I mean, I even know what you've done for me, man. I know you've been injured every single year. What a great pick in the draft of the second rounder a few years ago and the potential of what he was going to be and the awful injuries that he's had since that knee injury. We got to see what he's going to do. He's got to take a huge step up. Now, he's in the mix. Forrest is in the mix for left uh, guard and left tackle, which he's played in college. So, this is going to be fun year for him, and uh, it's, it's a make-or-break year, quite honestly, because this will be his last year as a Charger if things aren't going to fly the way it's going to happen here. So he's got a shot for two spots at left tackle 
and left guard. So we'll take a look at that along with Dan Feeney at left guard. Um, we also have, I believe, Storm Norton, uh, the XFL lineman that came in. I think he's in the mix as well, which which looks fun. And um, looking into the left tackle position. Now, that's going to be a tough one, right? Uh, Trey Pipkins was uh, was drafted last year, third round. Uh, you know, potentially just a, a freshman uh, a year for him, a redshirt freshman year, I should say, for him, where he wasn't in the plans to play at all. He was going to sit back. He was going to get coached up. He was going to get big. He was going to get strong. And they would put the kid up there when he was ready, potentially 2020. That didn't happen. Uh, As you know, the injury bug bit. Um, And with that, he had to step in and he played left tackle. Um, Not very well, right? We saw what occurred. And if we give up on this kid right now, I think it's a huge mistake because you can't get picked or selected third round by professionals that can see what's going on and within a moment or a season say, okay, this guy is awful. No, especially linemen, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, you got to make it work and you got to build them up. And that's what I think last year was supposed to be. And the kid just got thrown into the, into the fire pretty quickly. So I'm hopeful, and I want to see what happens, but I think he's got a really good shot. He's going to be geared to start at left tackle. That's the plan of attack with these guys. I know that for, for you know, a, a pretty strong indication that's where they're leaning with based on the reports I've had. So let's see how that works out. Of course, we've got um, uh, Sam Tavi at the same spot at left tackle competing as well. And, of, of course, we talked about Forrest earlier. So let's see how that works out. I think they've got a good shot. Now, the reason why I'm not so stressed out with that left tackle spot is because this is not going to be the normal three-second, four-second drop back, wait, watch first progression, second progression, third progression, go. It's not that type of offense. And it's going to be a quick hit. It's going to be an aggressive punch you in the face, go with it, RPO, let's get the ball moving quickly, fake here, fake there, pop it. It's going to be a fast-moving, athletic, offensive track meet. And I think with that comes different type of linemen. you got to have these guys moving. you got to get these guys going. And I think the, the stress on those linemen is reduced because of the fact they're not going to be caught up in space and they're going to work together in unison to get these runs going and get the quick hits going out there for these quick passes. So in that regard, I think... And I'm hoping that this line that's been just getting battered with abuse right now, I think is going to be much better than what we're thinking. And that's just because of what the quarterback play is going to give. It's no longer a statue. We don't have a guy back there, which I absolutely love Phillip Rivers. One of my, is my favorite quarterback of all time for the Chargers. And he's a warrior back there, but he's also a statue back there. Okay. He, he does a great job going back and forth in that pocket and, and give him some inches and feet here back and forth to, to get away from those hits. He does a magnificent job, and he did that for years with battered offensive line. Um, but this is something different. Tyrod will bring something different. Justin brings something different. And I think we'll see a lot more activity in the backfield. Uh, not just a quarterback running with his head uh, caught on fire here, but more of a established RPO, athletic, fluid activity. So that's my plan of attack on offense. I think it's going to look pretty strong and I'm excited to see where it's going to go. And I want to switch gears real quickly and talk about the uh, defensive side with our second first round pick of the draft, which was a pretty nice surprise to see uh, how Tom went up there and uh, decided, hey, you know what? Uh, There's a guy that I want to draft in the first round. 
that's still there and is a to the Chargers is an actual legit top 15 player. And that is going to be the linebacker from Oklahoma State, Kenneth Murray. And all 6'2", 240 pounds of him, was taken by the Chargers with a 23rd pick of the first round. And look, people are going to say, easy, right? Hey, why would you give up two picks for this guy? What's the big deal? You should have held on tight, got your second round pick with whatever linebacker you had or an offensive tackle you wanted, then came back in the third round and got your linebacker. Okay, fine. That might have worked. And you might have got whatever you wanted to get with, right? That's, there's a lot of linebackers out there. Sure. That that could have happened. You know, second tier linebackers maybe at that time because Patrick Queen would have been gone as well. Oh, so you're not going to get him in the first round. Uh, but yeah, sure. You could have gave back and got a second tier uh, linebacker and maybe got a on a second-tier offensive tackle, and that's how you want to work it. Okay, great. Um, no, they didn't do that. I love the fact they rolled with it, and they said, wait a minute, we see a guy here in Kenneth Murray who's a legit first-rounder. Like, I want to make sure you guys understand this. Just because a player is taken in the first round doesn't mean they're a first-round talent, right? You guys understand this. Just because you're selected in the first round doesn't mean you're a first-rounder, meaning teams get these players and – they will put them in groups of what they believe they're going to be held in. So just because there's 32 players in the first round or selections in the first round doesn't mean there's 32 first-round rated players. So a team like the Chargers, a team like the Bills can say, okay, uh, 1 through 17, these 17 players is what we believe have first-round grade on them. Uh, players from 18 to 42 can have a second ground grade on them. Uh, player, so uh, players from you know 43 on can have a third round grade. Basically, they're not going to follow the 32 men on the first round as okay, they're first rounders. So that's a that's something you have to consider because if you can, there is a difference between a guy in the, uh, that you have in your tier of top 15 compared to a guy you have in your next tier, right? Uh, just because they're both taken the first round doesn't mean they're both first round talents on your board. So that's something I want to make sure you guys understand. A lot of these, uh, you know, so-called, you know, pros, you know, always group them all up together and make everything the first round pick. That's not what it's all about. And Tom Telesco has talked about this for years now where he looks at the first round. He goes, look, we have this many picks we think we have in the first round that are top talent. Just like Jerry Tillery last year, they looked at, again, he didn't have a great year, shoulder injury, and hoping he comes through this year and makes a big impact, which he did not last year. Um, But they looked at Jerry Tillery and they said, that's a first-round talent for us, and we want to grab him, and that's what they did, and he had slid down. Um, Okay, so in this situation, they have saw Kenneth Murray's potential, and they said, hey, we're going to just get our second-round pick, Put it on steroids with a with a with a with a third round pick and send send that puppy out to the Patriots and get ourselves another first round pick, which they did. So, yep, I consider that a second round pick that just got a little souped up with a third rounder, kissed it up there, and now we moved up and got Kenneth Murray. And I gotta tell you, I did not watch much of him in college, but whatever I'm watching on these highlights, this this guy is a beast. He is look, you can coach toughness, you can coach speed, you can coach uh, singing the ball and attacking the ball. That's great coaching. What you can't coach is all of it together, wrapped up, and just performing like a demon out there. And he reminds me a little bit of Junior Seau. He's got that ferociousness to him. He's like a heat-seeking missile. Uh, that's what I loved about Junior so much, that he would just find that target and attack it and go right through it. And he was amazing with that. 
And uh, I see Kenneth Murray that way. The guy is a heat seeker, and I love that about him. He is just he is just tenacious. Uh, what I've seen out there, uh, the kid's going to be great, and I'm, I'm looking forward to watching him. He'll he'll play up there with Tranquil, Drew Tranquil. Uh, he'll have uh, Kazir White back there with him. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what happen, happens with those guys. And Denzel Perman, great backer as well. But, you know, the kid gets uh, banged up a lot. It'd be nice to see what's going on with these linebackers. And hopefully they stay healthy. It should be really fun. So I love the Kenneth Murray pick. I think it's going to be uh, really fun to watch him. And, and hopefully you'll see that a little bit in the uh, training camp once we get, get around to that, hopefully, this year. Uh, another pick is uh, round four with Josh Kelly. Joshua Kelly, the running back from UCLA. Uh, I love this kid. Uh, I've been, you know, I'm a big UCLA fan myself, and I've watched him for a couple of years now, and I think he is just a great, great back. He's got good size to him. He's 5'11", 212 pounds. He's a, he's, uh, he's a runner through the tackles, and he can pop it outside as well. He's got great speed. Uh, not outstanding speed, but he has really good speed. He, he's really athletic with the ball. He's a pure runner. Uh, he is a running back, and he's not scared to put his uh, – nose down and grind yards for you as well. He'll go through the tough areas. He'll break tackles. And if he pops it outside, he's got wiggle and he can move. So I'm excited to see how he's going to work out. I think he's going to be a great tandem. And it's not going to be all maybe five touches, six touches here. I literally think he's going to get some good touches out there, especially in a four-minute offense where you got to bleed that ball a little bit. You know, you're not going to beat up Austin Eckler. You know, Eckler is just a playmaker, man. He is just amazing in the space playmaker. I don't want to beat up that guy with, with getting a third down and one or third and two or, or give him 25 runs in a game or, and what have you. That's not what he's made. You're going to break Eckler that way. You don't want to do that. Uh, he's a tough, tough, tough kid. But I got to tell you, uh, you need some good rotational backs. And I think uh, Joshua Kelly brings that toughness and brings that kind of explosiveness uh, along with Justin Jackson. And I think those three running backs together are just going to make a good, ferocious uh, a running uh, stable back there. So I'm looking forward to seeing Josh Kelly um, do his thing. Again, uh, if you guys don't know the story, Josh Kelly was a UC Davis kid, and he kept writing letters and keep kept uh, calling Chip Kelly uh, to make sure he gets down to UCLA. And I think he did a walk-on in there finally and, and proved his worth, and that was a fourth-round pick. So congrats to him. I'm um, looking forward to seeing him go. Uh, next few picks. Joe Reed, pick number five, Virginia, wide receiver, six feet, 225 pounds, I tell you, he looks he looks strong. Yeah, he looks fun to watch, and I'm I'm excited to see what he's gonna do. Uh, I know he's a, he's a kickoff return specialist as well, but I can see him as our uh, third or fourth receiver out there. He is a strong, strong player uh, with good football instincts, and I think he's gonna make plays. And they can line him up in the backfield. They can line him up as a slot. They can line him up anywhere they want to. And they'll want to get the ball to him. Because with him, the ball in his hands, if you see some good highlights on him, um, he's fun to watch. And he, I think he'll do really, really well in this Chargers offense. I'm excited to see how he's going to transition to it. But that's a great pick in the fifth round with uh, with Joe Reed. Uh, sixth round, we went with pick number seven, Alohi Gilman from Notre Dame. And, of course, Notre Dame is a... Is one of those schools that the Chargers just seem to uh, adopt because every year someone's going to get selected from Notre Dame. It's just the way it goes. Um, don't know much about him. Tough kid, 5'10", 200 pounds. Uh, most probably a special teams uh, uh, type of a depth, but, you know, definitely could be part of the DB package as a in-the-box safety coming up for a thumper type role. Not really made for coverage per se, uh, but again, it's all about the coaching and what we can do with him to get back there. He might just just do well back there as well, but I think it's more of a in-the-box type safety, special team type player. Uh, the kid's tough, 
and that's fun to see. You want tough players on your team. Uh, Six-round pick, you're getting somebody that's going to go out there and play with his heart, and it's, it's fun to see those kind of kids. So I'm looking forward to them, and I'll be room for them to make this, this squad. Uh, lastly is round seven, K.J. Hill, uh, Ohio State wide receiver, six feet, 195. Now, I don't know if you guys have heard about K.J. Hill, but he uh, – he is a record setter in Ohio State, okay? And this kid caught the most passes in Ohio State. Seventh round draft pick is literally um, is a steal uh, for the Chargers. Now, he might make the team, might not make the team, whatever the case. Seventh round pick, you're getting a great receiver. He's not a burner, uh, but he's got he's got great route running ability, uh, a la uh, Keenan Allen. So that's, that's his guy. And he loves Keenan Allen. Um, so it's going to be pretty fun to see him playing with his, uh, with his idol here. So that's going to be fun to see it. And I got to tell you, he's going to, he's going to get a shot, not just to make this team, but the more I hear about him, he's got a a shot to be number three on this, on the squad. Uh, so so ever since Travis Benjamin left last year, we got to get that fortified. And I think KJ Hill is going to make a strong push, uh, barring any injury to get that third spot, especially when you have, you're a good route runner. I got to tell you wide receiver in the NFL was one of the tougher positions for players to transition into from college. But I think you're seeing uh, some really great athletes come into play in their rookie years and really make a splash. I think K.J. Hill is going to be that type of player, barring injury. And I say that confidently because his route running is exceptional. And when you have great route running, everything else will come. Um, but, you know, the, the press coverage is what you're going to have to get used to in the NFL, right? A lot of these wide receivers in college, you know, they don't get challenged as much, right? They get a lot of cushion going. They got double safeties playing up top a little bit. Corners aren't their face as much. So they have a little more chance to have a little more territory and space in college. NFL, man, it's a little tighter, right? And they're not going to get off that line. So that's his thing. He, uh, strength-wise, he looks good. And it just depends how he's going to transition over. But if he is doing that kind of route running, special route running that he has, those skills, he should do fine. So I'm excited about that as well. That's going to do it for us, guys. I hope you like the breakdown we had today for your 2020 Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, Definitely want to get a podcast out to you guys again in the next few days. We'll break down some more good stuff. Otherwise, make sure you follow me on Instagram at ExtremeVoltage underscore podcast. I'd like to thank my sound engineer slash producer, Tyrell Mad Dog Wiggins, for taking care of everything behind the glass today. Appreciate it. And for some awesome music today, we want to thank the composer Kevin McLeod for Strength of the Titans and also the Ice Giants. You can find him at filmmusic.io. That's going to be it. Catch you guys next time on Extreme Voltage. <laughs>